Hello and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that's part movie club, part improv comedy. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. And we've got a lot to unpack, so we're skipping the intro, we're going right into it. We're in the first week of our franchise month. This is our third annual franchise month, which is buck wild to think about. (laughs) But uh, we are going to be covering the entire live action Transformers franchise. And so this week, we are watching Transformers and Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. Uh, this is going to be full spoilers. If you don't want to hear us talk about either of these movies, you can skip to this time code right here. Time code, 33 minutes, 38 seconds. So, Transformers is a movie about alien robots that can transform into cars. Um, they were yeah, created... or other vehicles, but... Or other vehicles, semantics. yes. Um, they were created by this thing called the AllSpark, which I guess they just call the cube in this movie. Yep. Um, <laughs> yep. And like they use the term the cube and the AllSpark interchangeably to a point where you wonder why they have both names like at all. Um, right. And it's easy to tell they're talking about the cube because the AllSpark is in fact a cube. Yes. And so <laughs> it's freaking dumb. And so this is the franchise that kind of uh, made Shia LaBeouf famous, that made Megan Fox famous, that, um, you know, made Michael Bay famous to a generation that didn't watch The Rock in the 90s. Um, So this movie is responsible for a lot of pop culture. Um, And it's not great. (laughs) Alex, I think this might be a long month. (laughs) It's going to be a long month. Because here's the thing, I finished watching the second movie and immediately forgot what it was about. Yeah, so let's let's tackle this chronologically here. So first of all, the reason why these movies aren't great, um, or at least the first two, and it's most, you, I recognized it right away as soon as I started watching the first movie, is I could not care less about the people in this movie. Anytime there are only humans on screen, I tuned out. I stopped oh. paying attention. Okay. See, I love Shia LaBeouf in this movie, and I love Bumblebee. I didn't sure. care about a single other Autobot, though, because you spend so much time with Bumblebee that I'm like, he's kind of my guy. I don't have time to figure out or know who everybody is. Like, Ratchet. Cool. I mean, the problem is all your voices are robotic. And I really only know when Bumblebee's talking because he's using a radio and Optimus. Everybody else's voice is interchangeable to me. Which is really a problem at the end of the movie when one of the Autobots dies. I think it's Jazz that just straight up dies. Yeah, because like ripped in half. And they brush over it. Like the Autobots kind of look at each other. It's like one of us was lost in this battle. Anyway, and it was at least we won. (laughs) Yeah, it was like such a weird moment because I think they knew there's a lot of robots. They kind of don't care that one of the other ones died. Yeah, Jazz also had like three lines. So his death was really paramount to nothing. Um, but I did not like Shia LaBeouf in these movies. Um, And I'm kind of lumping them together because I don't like him for the same. Like, he's just so out of place in the context of this movie. Like, on a grand scale, this movie is kind of like the the first movie that I would compare it to is like The Incredible Hulk, the Ed Norton one. Okay. Because it has this, like, military theme to it that... Um, like the military integrates itself with the Transformers. So there's this like very big atmosphere of like secret agencies, government cover-ups, weaponization. And then you have this 17-year-old boy who's just kind of there. Yeah, he's only there because he met Bumblebee. He's like, also, and the movie tries to give him more reason to be there because, like, like his he's the grand- grandson of Wit Wiki. And I'm like, 
are you telling me it's a coincidence that Bumblebee met him? Because that's yeah, what it looks like. Because Sam's grandpa uncovered Megatron when Megatron crashed to Earth. He's like, oh, I found this big robot. And like the data of the AllSpark like imprinted itself on Sam's grandpa. And so I guess Sam inherited that like AllSpark connection. Right. And, so and he also got the glasses, which were also yes. a map. Oh, my God. Dude, I forgot about that. That was so stupid. <laughs> because I think the second movie is about like it's embedded in his DNA because when he pushed the AllSpark into, Decept- into uh, Megatron at the end, part of it went into him and part of it went into him. Into um... Dude, I hate their name so much. I hate it so much. <laughs> part of it went into Megatron. Who's also a Decepticon. So part of it went into Megatron, part of it went to him, so it was embedded in his DNA. In the first movie, he's a big deal for one reason. He has glasses. And the glasses have a map to the AllSpark. And gang, the map wasn't necessary because the AllSpark was like a mile away from Megatron. Yeah, they're right next to each other in the same government facility. Yeah. There's like on two different bunkers. To the point where you were, because I think they moved the AllSpark to be by Megatron because they were like, these two things are very clearly connected. They should probably be stored in similar facilities, right? Which, like, I understand mm-hmm. the logic. But there right. was definitely a moment where the military should have been able to put two and two together where they're like, oh, do you want to know about the AllSpark? Like, we know about the AllSpark. Hey, because when you bring up that we have Megatron, bring up the other thing you have, too, just in case it's relevant. And what's crazy, (laughs) it's crazy how much the military knew and refused to act upon. Because not only did they know about the AllSpark, they were actively harnessing the AllSpark to make their own little shitty Transformers. And, (laughs) like, I don't know why... That was part of it. Dude, it was so dumb. So, when it boils down to what I got from this movie is big cars shoot at each other. If you go in with anything else, you are going to be disappointed. This movie is simply the best way to enjoy this movie is big cars shoot at each other. And, like, Megan Fox is the occasional eye candy. And there's some, like, awkward college scenes. No, this is the, oh, the second movie. This yeah, is just awkward high school movies where like there's a guy who wants to get with the hot girl and he's got to deal with jocks and he's used to being a loser. And now he's not a loser anymore because he has to save the world. So that's like the subplot. And I can remember the exact moment I signed Sam off as a character that I would ever care about. And it's the scene where he brings the Autobots back to his house for the first time. And and they're, like, wrecking the yard and stuff. And he's, like, negotiating with his dad, like, through the screen door that's like, I promise I'll take out the trash, okay? I'll I'll, I'll mow the lawn. I'll do all my chores. I I promise. I promise. I'm like, shut up. Like, it's, like, it's the movies. It was a very mid-2000 thing for movies to try to ground this, like, huge sci-fi concept into doing something mundane like oh if we bring up the fact that sam has to do chores because he lives with his parents that'll make it more relatable for the big robots and i'm like but for me the whole time i was seeing that i'm just like the end of the world at stake right there's aliens one of them is your car why wouldn't you tell your parents you think you're gonna get in trouble like why why does any of that matter like why does this have to be a secret it was so dumb i'm like get them involved what are you doing? And it, it like it I really don't have that much to say about this first one because it's a lot of people like hoist this movie as like a generation defining guy movie. Like yeah. this is a dude's movie. And I went in there and I was expecting way more like high octane action than what we actually got. Y'all, this movie is two and a half hours long. And yeah, we yep. and we spend not nearly enough of it doing big car action scenes. Now, so you would argue like budget, you know, it's expensive to do a lot of that. And this is it, the first one they're doing. So they don't know how successful it's going to be. And to that, I say cut 30 minutes of anything else. 
<laughs> like there is you could cut so much of this movie and still have the same amount of action, but it would feel like there was more action because it's weighed down by significantly less. That being said, um, robot action is hard, not like from an audience perspective, because it's very hard to tell who the good guys are and the bad guys are because it's all metal. Like when you see blue and red, you're like, okay, that's prime. It's kind of hard to tell who everybody else is. You can tell who Bumblebee is because of yellow. You can tell who Starscream is because he's got these freaking huge wings on his back. Everybody else, it's kind of just like metal rolling around with itself. And they try to do like, okay, the Autobots have like paint. Like you said, like blue and yellow and green. Um, and then the Decepticons are just silver. It's just gray robots are are the Decepticon. Um, and that's like the only indication you have. And also, at no point in this movie, at least to the best of my recollection, do they explain why they have human guns built into the robots? Yeah, and they can shoot bullets. It's just freaking weird, bro. And they're speaking English. So you really have to take a lot of this on, it's a sci-fi movie about robots that turn into cars. I should not be hung up on the details like this. However, there are still some moments where you're like, why are they shooting human bullets? Like, yeah, be like, wait, so when they, do they run out of bullets? Where's this metal coming from? It There's a lot of stuff you're like, I don't know how that would work. Or like, how can you guys keep, you're trying to remain in disguise. Why don't you just change into a different car? Why does Bumblebee have to be Camaro? Because he goes from an old Camaro to a new Camaro on a whim, which was very cool. Like, very. A big fan of cars. When I saw that new Camaro, I'm like, this thing is sick. And then he's a Camaro for the rest of the movie. I'm like, bro, you guys can just change whenever you want. Why are we staying the same? Do you want to get recognized? And the incon- and this maybe not isn't, and maybe this isn't an inconsistency, but, like, another thing is just, like, when... The Transformers are driving versus when the Transformers let a human drive them. Dude. Is a, it's it's we, like, why would the Transformer not always be driving? Dude, I was thinking that too. Because the, <laughs> what the Decepticons do is they'll throw like a hologram person so they can get into areas because it looks like someone's driving. But every time Shia LaBeouf gets in the car, I'm like, why are you driving? It doesn't make it. This thing is sentient. Do they not know the rules of the road? So you're like, all right, I'm going to take over so we don't get in trouble. Like, it's just weird. And it's never explained because there are scenes where there's bumblebees just ripping around and no one's in the driver's seat. Yeah. Is in the second, he's in the passenger seat and Megan Fox is sitting on his lap and, and they're just going. So I'm like, why, what? I don't get it. I just don't get it. I, that being said, I freaking love this movie, dude. I've watched yeah. this movie a bunch. I, this, I, here's what I'm scared of. I'm scared. This is going to be the best one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really worried this is going to be the best one. So I'm ragging on this movie a lot. This movie is cool. It satisfies the Michael Bay action quota, right? Like if you are looking for a dumb action movie, this checks those boxes. This movie's problem is that it gets weighed down by everything else. So these, you know, fight scenes where you can't tell who's who, that's a problem. But it still looks really cool. Like, in the cultural zeitgeist, for all the crap that Transformers gets for being bad movies, everyone comes together to say, these movies look amazing. Like, at no point in this movie do I think, oh, this CGI is 15 years old. Like, it looks very good. And all the transformations are very detailed, Like, you can see all the minor parts of them transform when they go from one form to another. It's very detail-oriented, and it's very cool to see that happen. And it's not like a Power Rangers intro where, like, they do a detailed transformation once, and then they just do quick ones for the rest of the movie. They go out of their way to show elaborate transformations consistently throughout this movie dude it's so every time they're like running and then they do like a cartwheel into a backflip into their vehicle or vice versa they're driving super fast hit a jump and then transform in the air and and superman punch somebody i'm like that is so cool um i do want to go back to a earlier comment you said this is without a doubt a guy's movie yes i laughed out loud and macy just 
stared at me. <laughs> I laughed quite a few times. I liked Shia LaBeouf's all his lines. I thought it was hilarious. And she just looked at me like, what are you doing? So like, this movie is for, and not only is it guys, it's like teenage guys. It's It's got a very specific demographic. <laughs> yeah. I watched this with a buddy of mine, and he came over, like, dressed as dude as possible. Like, we're watching Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> I am dressed as dude as I can be. Yeah, dude. Uh, I mean, I like this movie, and I am really scared. They're just going to keep getting worse, and we're going to start hate watching them towards the end. Oh, for sure. So, I... I'm going to give this movie a very gracious 6.75. Okay. That's cool. Um, I'm going to go compare it to our earlier franchise because I was going to give it something similar, but I want to make sure like, what am I giving this compared to uh, Terminator? You know? Ah, yikes. <laughs> <laughs> you did not like the first train or the first Terminator movie. I did not. Uh, dude, I'll give it a Seven. This feels wild. I don't feel like I should be giving it such a high score. I'll give it a seven and a and a quarter. Yeah, I was gonna give it a flat seven, and then I realized how much like is fundamentally wrong with this movie. And I'm like, it's fun, but it's no more than fun. Um, yeah, I could give it a higher score, but I'm scared that people would figure out that I gave it like a seven and a half. And it'd negate all my earlier ratings because it'd be like, well, th- that would be the thing they referenced. Be like, oh, yeah, well, everything else might be true, but you gave Transformers a seven and a half. So I'm going to give it below a seven and a half, seven and a quarter. And I know that like half points, like it should probably be in the sixes, but it's nostalgia for me. This is the Transformer I've seen the most. I'm a big fan of cars. And this like came out with the release of the Camaro. Um, so this is just like scratching an itch. I'm, I'm going to get more objective as I see these movies for the first time. But a lot of nostalgia is doing a big hit for me. Um, Revenge of the Fallen just sucks, though. Dude, that movie was move. awful. <laughs> like, oh, my. Like, I'm complaining that, you know, there's not enough robots in this movie. This, Revenge of the Fallen is almost entirely about Sam. Like, to a point where I was so I got angry towards the end of the movie and we'll get into that but so this movie is about like sam goes to college he's having a hard time doing long distance with megan fox and he's like breaking up with bumblebee he's like i can't so freaking weird so weird he has like a very intimate scene with him in the garage where he's like i can't take you to college like i have to be my own person they don't allow cars on for freshmen like, I, I have to take this time to be my own person. You're an Autobot. Like, you're so much more important than me going to college. And Bumblebee's, like, heartbroken about this. And I'm like, what's going on here? And then he steps <laughs> out of the garage, and Megan Fox is in a white dress with flowers. I'm like, are they getting married? <laughs> what's going on right now? And Megan Fox is, like, trying to break up with him because he's like, her character's name is Mackenzie? Yes. Kelsey? Spelled McKenzie. in the craziest way ever. Yes. It's Michaela. Um, Michaela, right. Yes. It's Michaela. And if you have subtitles on and her name comes up, you're like, wait, what? Because <laughs> it's like M A K E A L A or something <laughs> yeah, like that. It's freaking weird. <laughs> um, I'm like, is she a Decepticon? I've never freaking seen that before. And and um so, and so Michaela's like, hey, I want to break up with you because you're going to college and I don't want to do long distance. And Sam is like I will never find a girl as hot as you ever again. I can't allow that to happen. First and day. Find the super hot girl. First day. Oh, my God. And, like, there's this scene where they're, like, trying to get to reconcile. But while they're doing that, Sam finds a piece of the AllSpark that was, let, let's not forget, destroyed in the first movie. The AllSpark, the creation of... Like the entire Transformer species gets destroyed in the first movie. Yes. <laughs> and then, by the way, he just finds it in a hoodie. <laughs> yeah. And He's so- like, oh, this is the shirt I wore when I beat Megatron, haven't worn it since, haven't put it in the laundry, and a shard just falls out. And 
the the shard of the allspark like this is what we were talking about like infects his brain with like the intersect from chuck or something yeah and also it melts through like three floors but stops on the kitchen counter yeah <laughs> and then just like converts the toaster and the blender into evil robots and Dude. so like he, yeah he goes to college and like this is where we really get like his parents are characters in this movie and i hated Every second they Dude. were on screen when they Dude, take when his to- mom got high, I was upset when. Yeah. So the parents take him to college and his mom like eats an entire bra- an entire bag of weed brownies without knowing they're weed brownies. And there's like a 90 to 90 second to two minute sequence of her just being a little silly while high and like i was getting aggressively annoyed with how that sequence was playing out because the dad is a is the way he's written is that dad stereotype that refuses to listen to anyone that's not himself so he's getting aggressive that his wife isn't listening to him sam's getting embarrassed so there's like they're like tag teaming trying to get her to calm down and she is going out of her way to be as annoying as possible and when i realized that that was the tone for this movie i like resigned all hope that this could have been any better i was just hoping and praying i'm like just get to the transformers get to the transformers we've only seen bumblebee can we just do this and then this movie goes so hard in the military direction it's insane it's awful it's hard to watch bro because what ends up happening is optimus prime gets freaking bodied in the forest like witwicky aka shia labeouf gets found right um and because his beautiful uh what not a girlfriend just Mistress. a chick who's hitting on him yeah <laughs> he's not into it but he's not like putting up a fight turns into a robot michaela comes and visits they run away and then prime gets called all the autobots get called and prime is like fighting three of them at the same time and it looks like he's winning like this guy's tearing through him and then megatron comes back from the marianas trench and just rips him a new one and then that's like the last good fight and then it's the government's getting involved then optimus's body is taken to a military base and then you know shia's trying to find a shard that could revive optimus after they go to another military base the smithsonian museum find an ancient decepticon he breaks down some stuff then they call in you know, the military to, to deliver Optimus's body. And then an hour long military campaign happens in Egypt. All this to say, this movie is boring. It's, and so- dude, the last half of the movie, first of all, this is another two and a half hour movie. This one did not need to be two and a half hours. And Michael Bay said he cut it because at the end, well, they also introduced this character called the Fallen, which is basically Megatron's boss. And uh, apparently there was a super long fight between Optimus and the Fallen because apparently primes are the only ones that can beat him. And Optimus is the last prime. And that fight is 30 seconds. Straight up. like 30 seconds. And this guy gets wrecked. And apparently Michael Bay was super, you know, butthurt that it wasn't longer but like due to budget he's like i can't have this huge long cga battle cgi battle i'm like thank god because i didn't want a three-hour movie and dude literally the last hour is just fighting fighting shootouts and you'd think that would be cool but this is not like john wick it's not like super creative using different weapons it's just gunshots missiles bombs in the desert so like you said there's you know shia has to retrieve this key to revive up they call it the something matrix the universal matrix or whatever yeah sure Le- the um, leader something or other leadership is in there leadership matrix and it feels out of place right. <laughs> um and so he gets the key an hour and 45 minutes into the movie the next 25 minutes is him delivering the key to Optimus Prime's body to revive him. Three now, miles away. Now, how do we know it's three miles away, Greg? Because they tell us. They tell us in increments. We're three three miles away. Now we're about two miles away. I think we're a mile away. We're about half a mile away. I'm like, jeez, bro. 
Just get there. And it got to a point where, like, Sam is running through the desert and he has the dust of this key in his sock. And he's like, because he's like, I believe this can still save him. And everyone else is like, what are you talking about? It's destroyed. He goes, you just got to have faith. I'm like, what is happening? And watching him run through this desert for like 20 minutes, I had to, I literally went back to the movie. I went, I rewound in the movie to find out when he got the keys so I could figure out exactly how long he was running through the desert with this stupid sock key. And I think it was 25 minutes. And, uh, and it's so, it was, it blew my mind how much of this movie we spent on stuff that was so not important. Dude, it was, I was, I I don't even know if I was interested. They also introduced like a bunch of new Autobots, three motorcycles and two twins who are like comedic relief who are just annoying. So annoying. They're called the RC twins. I hate, I don't like that I remembered that. And they're like, they play into that like, um, when it's super tropey when you see it. I don't know. It's super tropey. The thing that I want to say is like, I can't remember what it would be. It's that like mid 2000s like black humor that's written by white people. Yeah. Is they kind have of the obvious best. accents. Yeah. But yeah, it's annoying. Also, um dude, what was I going to say? It's just like besides those two, there's a million Decepticons. Oh yeah. There's uh-huh. So many. And one of them is massive. Yeah, I think they call him Destructor. I think is his name. It's something crazy. And or Devastator, something like the that. De- I think it's Devastator, something crazy. He's just like seven machines. Because combined. I think Destructor was the tank from the first movie. Regardless. Gotcha. Who never comes back. And then there's a there's a bunch of small Decepticons in this movie, like a bunch of them. And Michaela takes one as a pet, who's like a huge plot point in the movie. It's like this movie could not happen if that was not a thing. And he's also a huge pervert, and he's also voiced by SpongeBob. So when <laughs> you, you kind of get those two facts together, you're like, hey, this character makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, dude. It's just, he's okay. But the thing is, is this movie is just like people, it's, it's just Shia getting lucky the whole time. He's just lucky the whole time. How do we find this guy well i just happen to have a decepticon as a pet that's crazy how did you live in the first place oh prime sacrificed himself for me okay well how do we get these uh you know symbols read well down the street there's actually a museum where a super old decepticon can read them like sweet let's activate him how do we activate him with a shard that's crazy i also have a shard michaela's got it Okay, well, let's go to the pyramids. Well, how do we get there? This Decepticon can teleport people, which, by the way, has never happened before. They just spring it on you. <laughs> yeah. And then and he says it so casually, too, where he's like, I created a space bridge. It was the quickest way for us to get to Egypt. Like, yeah, obviously. Right. Like, okay, I guess we'll just believe you. And then another thing is we're going to have the twins fight. They're just going to happen to put a hole in the wall. And that's how we find the Matrix. The Matrix is going to disintegrate into dust. I'm just going to think it's a good idea to put it together. And then I'm going to meet the Autobot gods. And they're going to just fix it for me. And then I'm going to revive Prime. Then, of course, that's not good enough. He's not strong enough. But the old guy is going to donate himself, take all of his parts, and make Prime a super Prime. And he's going to lay the beat down on everybody, all with minimal casualties, except for one of the motorcycle people who has one line. And I couldn't even tell you their name. This movie's wild, bro. It is incredible how this movie has so much intense sci-fi action plot points and is still somehow one of the most boring movies I've ever seen. Dude, if you're in middle school... And I know we have middle schoolers listening to this. This is actually a pretty good movie for you. Because if you just want to see cool stuff, that's all there is to this movie. That's this it. Is, um, this movie is also the point where we as an audience understand that the concept of Transformers on Earth is a little weird. Because they Transformers have been on Earth 
for thousands of years. Megatron crashed on Earth thousands of years ago. This Decepticon that they revive and that takes him to Egypt is thousands of years old. However, the thing that they transform into are only about a hundred years old. So it's this weird juxtaposition of the oldest Decepticon that we can find is a World War II fighter jet. Yeah, dude. It's weird. Also, they're just like, yeah, but my ancestor was like the wheel, like the first one. I'm like, okay, bro. Sure. And they show like all these ancient Decepticons and like, they're like, here's the oldest Decepticon and it's a model T and I'm like, all right, but also like we're thinking they can change whenever they want. So it might've been something before then, but I'm also like, well, if that's the first mode of transportation, what were they switching to before that? A printer? Like what were they doing? They were just factories, things that couldn't move. Were they trying to transform into a bicycle? Like, I don't get it. Dude, this movie, like, this, exactly what you're saying. This sets the tone for the rest of Transformers. I think most Transformers is going to be like this movie. Yeah. And I bet you when people think of Transformers just being, like, the Michael Bayathon of just, like, CGI action pyrotechnics, this is the movie that did it. Yeah. And it's just, like, copy-paste this movie six more times. That's all I got to say, bro. This. Oh, also, the whole movie, Shia LaBeouf can't tell Megan Fox he loves her. Oh, my God. That's the whole movie. And he says, like, placement words. Like, I adore you. I'll never find anyone like you ever again. And she's like, then how come you won't tell me you love me? And I'm like, what a great question, Megan Fox. That's a great question. Especially since you guys have saved the world together. And so there's this, like, moment. Like, it's supposed to be a big character moment at the end. Where he, where they finally tell each other, "I love you," um, and it's just, it's Buck Wild. Yeah, because guy dies first. Um, so yeah, I'm giving this one a four and a half. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a five because I think there's room for it to get worse. That's and, uh, and you know what? That's why I'm. That was the exact thought when I gave it a four and a half. Like this is bad. It can get worse. <laughs> It can get worse. The action is good. The pyrotechnics. There's one shot. There's two shots that I think of. The rail gun to the top of the pyramid was pretty cool. Yeah. And then when the bombers came in and dropped the 2,000 pound JDAMs, and it, I read like some of the trivia, apparently it was a gasoline bomb that the pyrotechnics team for the movie put together. And it took them seven months to set it up or eight months to set it up. And like Steven Spielberg saw it and was like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. So I'm like, the special effects are still crazy. So I'm going to give you this movie a lot of props for that. The CGI, the special effects is insane. The sound design is crazy, but the plot is non-existent. Hey, Alex. Yeah. This movie was nominated for an Oscar. Of course it was. And the first one was nominated for three. <laughs> um, This movie was nominated for best achievement in sound mixing. Dude, when you hear the Transformer noises, though, it makes sense. Sure. Okay. Because you're like, well, none of these sounds exist in real life. And now they're fighting, which is not, does not exist in real life. So, like, all of that had to just be made up. Now, they didn't win, but I understand no. why they got nominated. Yeah, so, whew, man, that was our first step into this journey. Also, audience, you're not going to be able to watch these movies anyway, so it doesn't matter. You're going to have to pay for it. If you want to watch them, you're going to have to pay for it. Yeah, yeah. Um. All right, let's move on. Alex, what's our improv segment? Our improv segment is Emotional Breakdown. So, basically, what we're going to do, we're going to do a scene, and every once in a while, we're just paused pop out to like a sports center desk and we're just going to do a live analyzation of what's going on right now a breakdown if you will yeah we'll just see how it goes yeah we've done it before but it seems to be a fun time uh what kind of scene do you want to do um let's do a raise negotiation meeting oh okay This is a little too close to home. <laughs> okay, so... These are uh, freaking nerve-wracking. Uh, uh, hey, boss, do, do you have a second? Yeah, sure. No problem. Um, uh, what can I do for you? Yeah, no, it's just that uh, I know that my annual review is coming up, and I've been here for a few years, and I was wondering, like, when that time comes, if maybe we put the option of a raise on the table. Okay, um, I do think it's important to discuss. You want a raise before your annual review? Well, like, I know it's coming up, so I kind of wanted to, like, plant the seed in your head so that way, like, we could think about it before we get into the meeting. Eh. 
All right, boys, let's talk about what's going on here. Um, as you can see, our employee here, he's a little lacking in the self-confidence department. Yeah. So, uh, he's coming into this meeting, he's being all shy and timid, and, uh, I don't know if the boss is gonna take too kindly to that. Also, if you look at the boss's tone, he's already pretty apprehensive. And to be honest, I'm not even sure he gets to make the decision whether that this guy gets a raise or not. But, I will say, the approach... Hey, can we talk for a second? And then immediately jumping into race talks. Not a good idea on the employee's part. All right. Let's see if the boss is taking kindly to it. Let's get back to it. So, again, um, we haven't done an evaluation yet for you. Do you want to do it now? I mean, I, I have I have the time. Are you sure you want to do it now? Uh, I, I mean, like, the, I, I don't know how much different the evaluation is going to be now versus Friday. So, like, you know, what's okay. uh yeah. How do you think your performance has been over the past year? I would like to use the phrase non-problematic. Eh. Okay. Now, I don't know if you picked up on the tone, audience, but he said, how do you think you did? That's not a good sign. That's and giving the, the employee chance to own up to any mistakes that they might have made. Kind of fess up ahead of time. That way they're not caught in a lie later on. Also, bold move on the employee to suggest right now when the employer is obviously not in the best mood. Then the employee says something to the uh, effect of non-problematic, which, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, not a selling point. It's very hard to ask for a raise when you're just not causing problems. That's almost like holding the business hostage. It could be worse. I could be worse. Non-problematic is kind of the expectation. Yeah. Hey, if you were problematic, you probably wouldn't be here. And are you saying that if this goes badly, you would be problematic? Let's go back and see if this is helping his case. So, non-problematic. Can you be more specific? Well, I just know that there are members of my department that have lower numbers than I do, don't show up as often as I do, uses a bunch more of their sick days, and I'm always here. I'm always punching that clock. I'm reliable. Are you coming here while you're sick? What? Are you coming here while you're sick? I mean, like, maybe with, like, a like a cold, but, like, I don't come in with, like, the flu. But you just said as an arguing point that they're using their sick days and you're always here. I'm saying I don't get sick as often as they do. I'm saying I have a superior I, immune system, and I'm using that to the benefit of the company. And you should be, and you're telling me that I should be biologically rewarded. Yes. Right. Okay. Interesting. Um, <laughs> let's talk about um major accomplishments. What have you accomplished in the past? Let's say three months recently. I uh was an assistant on that big. Weston deal that we closed but, a few weeks okay. ago. What did you contribute though? Um, I handled a lot of the organizational parts of the filing and making sure that everybody had the correct documentation. Um, I made sure that the clerical work for like snacks and, and lunch and meetings. <laughs> so I'm, I'm worried for this guy. I'm not going to lie to you. He's, Kind of blowing it. He's he's looking for things. I think he should have came in with the plan. He should have had a laundry list of things he's accomplished. And I'm a little concerned that he, he hit a good one off the bat with the organizational system. And then he just brought up, what was it, like a snack bar? What was he bringing up? That doesn't make any... You're asking for a raise based on break food? I'm a little concerned. I'm a little concerned. And I don't think he's swaying the employer at all. I think we need some big swings if we're going to get anywhere. Okay. Um. Listen, I... I understand that those aren't really like huge things when it comes to it, but I want you to understand that as employees, we are all parts of this big machine and you don't understand what part of a machine is important until it gets removed. And I think that I contribute enough in various smaller departments across the company that if I were to be removed, if my value were to be lessened, it might cause this chain reaction throughout the company that creates some sort of um, uh, negative effect on the overall production. Okay, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but what it sounds like is if you were to leave, we'd be in trouble. Now, I'm not saying this is what you're saying. That sounds like extortion. Um, Are you saying... 
that you are threatening to leave and that if you were, there'd be consequences for the company? I'm saying I think I know my value. And if another company were to also see that value, I would understand how that might be problematic for you in the long run. All right, here's what I'll do. I'll give you a 50 cent raise. But you have to sign a contract to not leave for the next three years, and you have to sign a non-compete. Hold on, a fifty-cent raise. I'm salaried. Are you saying yeah. I'm gonna go to? Are you saying I'm gonna go to sixty-five thousand dollars and fifty cents? Best I can do is seventy-five cents. We have a tough budget over here, okay? And to be honest, I'm not even sure what your name is, um, or what department you work for. I think I've seen you like three times. So you know what? I'll you know what? I understand where you're coming from. I'll, I'll take what I can get. I'll sign that raise. I'll take uh, 75 will be in, uh, do you want that broken up week to week or just should I write um, you a check right now? Uh, just the, you know, at the end of the year, it's probably the best time for it. Okay. I'll give those out during bonus season. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I think that, uh, I think that employee got maybe the best deal he could. You know, I, I'm not familiar with the industry, but I will say he did get a raise. He got what he asked for. And there's always next year. There's always next year. That's our time at the emotional breakdown. We'll see you next time. Bye. See, here's da, 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 bum. I am so glad you were the employee. <laughs> because if I would have been the employee, I would have immediately gone off the rails. That would have been a totally, totally different thing. I would have been like, oh, yeah, I got images of your wife. Oh, yeah, give me the razor else. But, you know. We're going to move on to our middle segment. Uh, this is a segment we've kind of done before in a different place. Um, we're making it a middle segment, and we're calling it Ghost Writer. This is where Alex and I write things from the perspective of the other person. Um, last time we did dating bios, and this time we're doing time capsule letters. So Alex is going to read a time capsule letter that I've written from his perspective, and I'm going to read one that he wrote from my perspective. Um, we chose different formats to do this. Um, do you want me to read mine first or do you want you to read yours first? I want you to read the one I wrote for you. Okay, so what's the context for this one? Okay, so this is you from the perspective of right now, if you wrote a letter to your future self that you're gonna get in like 15-ish years. Okay, sounds good. Dear me, happier, fulfilled, and extremely secure future me. I hope and pray you are living your best life, but also no pressure because I don't want you to like get, because I don't want you to get this having achieved only a few of your dreams and proceed to spiral out of control. Like totally no pressure, but I do hope that we've done something cool, but not like too cool because again, no pressure. Right now, I'm working at a movie theater, which of course you know, but I just wanted to remind you. Hopefully when you get this, I have a better idea of my sexuality or at least like a super hot babe with blue hair. I'll take either. <laughs> I'm assuming you have somewhat figured out what our trajectory in life is going to be and you have some super cool roommates, a modest living, and finally gained my well-deserved independence while probably conceding to the capitalist landlord-tenant system. Hopefully we have at least one video podcast out and small and tall is going on a world tour we are currently at about 140 permanent good podcasts and there's still no sign that alex is going to pay me back for the hosting fees or take over editing responsibilities i think we should either take him to small claims court or drop in replacing him and replace him with some real talent in a perfect world we are involved in media full time I have a core group of friends. I have a significant other who thinks I'm funny and watches the podcast movies with me and has equal or more gamer score. Maybe you have mastered a technology or media that has that hasn't even come out yet. In which case, congrats on your success on Mary Elizabeth Winstead lookalike searching for his sensitive allies who are also content creators. Um, there's a lot to break down here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that when you are describing like what I'm looking for in a significant other equal or higher gamer score <laughs> is like la is on that list. Um, <laughs> oh, you, man, you really dude. got like the tone of like, if you don't have it figured out, at least have someone in your life to compensate not having figured it out. <laughs> right. I'm like, hey, man, if you don't have it figured out, it's not that big of a deal. It's all right. Don't worry about it. <laughs> like, like, our life is hard enough without you having to worry about past you judging you. 
Um, I have written your capsule letter from 15 years ago. You are opening up this letter now and you are reading what 11 year old Alex was writing to his future self. Okay, here we go. Dear Alex, it's Alex. The teacher's making us do the stupid time capsule assignment. I know you know that, but I feel like this is unnecessary for me because I already know exactly where I'm going to be in 15 years. But we'll get to that in a second. First, let me catch you up on where you've been. I just want to start by saying, you know, your boy's been staying strong in that eternal fight against peer pressure. Not one drop of beer, not one puff of a cigarette. Not that anyone has offered me those things, but you know when the time comes, I'll remain vigilant. On the topic of school, I just want to remind you that I've been killing it in that department. I'm the biggest joy to have in class, and the teachers love working with me. And I know for a fact that continues even into my job. Which brings me to my next point. While I understand that professional dancing is a bit of a lofty goal, I know that with my hard work and determination, that, it was some, that it's something that I can achieve and have strong faith that I achieved it by the time that you're reading this letter. I mean, what else have you been doing for the past 15 years? As I send this letter off to the abyss, where I'm sure it will never be seen again, I want to remind you that even if these things don't land where we thought they were going to, the most important part of life is being able to enjoy it as we go. So as you look around at the people in your life, I hope they are contributing positively to your overall experience. And if they aren't, just remember that you're cooler than them, smarter than them, and are overall more valuable in the society than they are and they have no right to talk to you like that if like you are anything other than that you are the alpha the best in the business no one is above you god bless past alex pretty accurate past alex went a little (laughs) off the rails there at the end but i'm like i gotta i gotta cram one more joke in here somewhere (laughs) i respect it um trying to remember yeah I mean, I was so shy back then. Like, I had female <laughs> friends, but only the ones that would talk to me. You know? The the line that I wrote that I think resonated the most with, like, genuine past Alex was, not one drop of beer, not one puff of a cigarette. Not that anyone has asked me. Yeah. I never got approached. Never got approached. I didn't get approached for anything until I was in high school. I was the one, like, introducing people to that stuff. Yeah. I'm like, hey, I turned 18. Anybody want to smoke with me? And everyone's like, we don't smoke. I'm like, but we turned 18. We can smoke now. And it was like, so it's bad for you. I'm like, but we can do it now, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. I, I remember. I, I also remember the one person that said yes to your offer for that was the last person I would have guessed that you go and smoke with. <laughs> yeah. So we went to a gas station, got some black and mild and smoked cigars in a parking lot. And then just like came back to show choir <laughs> practice school, like it was smelling nothing. like smelling like smoke. And I was like, what's that smell? I'm like, I just went and smoked at a gas station. <laughs> oh man, good times. Oh god, yeah. So um as is evidence, um, we know how to write for each other. Um almost to yeah. a fraudulent point, I would think. Let's move on to our one hit wonder. Um, this is a quick segment I'm calling Routine Pet Peeve, where everybody has different daily routines, but there are some people that have routines that's, like, annoying. And so I want to, like, break down, like, some traditional routine habits and find the ones that are unnecessarily annoying. Sure. And so the thing that kind of came to mind as I was thinking about this was, like, for people that are early risers, right? 5 a.m., like, if you have a commute, You know, that kind of makes sense, right? If you're one of those people that gets up at 4 a.m., why? I don't like the people who get up. Okay, so I get up. My first alarm goes off at 5.05. Yeah. I don't like the people who are like... So I get up at 5.05 because I like to be at work at 6. So I my alarm goes off at 5.05. My second alarm goes off at 5.15. My third alarm goes off at 5.20, and I get up at that alarm. Okay. And then I have 20 minutes to get my act together, and then I'm out the door to drive to work. Yeah. I don't like the people who have to be at work at eight. They set their alarm at five thirty because they want some time to their self in the morning. <laughs> I'm like, so and- you're getting up early to hang out? <laughs> like what? Sleep, bro. Sleep. Like it'd be one thing if your body naturally woke up at five thirty and you're like, all right, may as well put this time to use. But if you're setting your alarm to do that, um, you can accomplish the same thing at night. But also on the other end of the coin are the people 
like, you know, you wake up, you give yourself 20 minutes to do what you need to do. The people that will like literally roll out of bed, put their shoes on and go to work like that, baffle me. Dude, the people who are like, let me get into my clothes I have to wear to work tomorrow so I don't have to spend the time to put them on. Yeah. That's really crazy. Um, my partner in high school was like that where I would drive them to school and it got to the point where they were so reliant on me taking them to school I would literally be going in to wake them up and they would like make a cup of oatmeal and get in my car and I'm like you've been awake for four minutes (laughs) (laughs) I see People hear that I have 20 minutes in the morning from like waking up to going out the door and they're like, wow, that's no time. It could be so much worse. It could be so much worse. I'm not eating in my car, you know? I'm I'm a regular person. I skip breakfast. I'm not eating in my car. I'm not making bagels and icing them on my way to work and or so, putting whatever it is you put on your bagels. So moving on to the later part of the day, I think this is more of a pet peeve about like, the work culture is like any time that you have to run an errand on your lunch break. Like if you reserve your lunch break for errand time, that is crazy. That's crazy. It's too stressful. It's too stressful. What happens if it goes long? What if there's a line? Can you imagine going to like the DMV being like, I have to renew my tags, but I have to do it in 30 minutes. And so my mom is one of those people where she will schedule doctor's appointments for her lunch break. And I'm like, are you sure about that? Are you Dude, sure? I know. I almost said, like, what if you have cancer? You're going to be there forever. If you have cancer, you're probably not going back to work. <laughs> yeah. You got bigger you things probably to deal with. Call off the rest of the day. <laughs> Sam, where have you been? Sorry, I have cancer. <laughs> <laughs> I had to take a second. Yeah. My lunch break, I'm, here's the thing. I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum. I take my lunch break at my desk and still charge for those hours. We call yeah, it a working sure. lunch in the business. Because, like, I can't imagine. I'm a fast eater. I can't imagine being like, I'm going to go out to my car and eat my lunch or go to the break room and eat my lunch. I'm going to eat in 10 minutes and just wait there for 20 minutes till my break is over to go back to work. I'm like, no. When I'm done, I want to go back to work so I can just get done with work earlier. No, yeah, when I had an hourly, when I was paid hourly for my office job, I, you know, they give us an hour lunch, but it's an unpaid hour. I would take a 30 minute lunch and then just clock back in after 30 minutes and then I would leave 30 minutes early. Right. Also, here's the crazy thing. Why are we not getting paid for lunch, but we're getting paid for breaks and you can just take those. Yeah. Be like, I got to go to the bathroom. They're not going to like clock out. What if I have IBS? That'd be clocking out all the time, but that's just free time. So let me let my lunch just be free time. I don't know. I don't get it. That's why I don't have employees. <laughs> um, moving on to the later parts of the routine. This kind of goes back to what I was talking about with waking up at 4 a.m. If you, if it's like eight o'clock and you're like, oh, time to wind down for bed. Whoo, man, we got. Are you fun? Are you having fun? Dude, I never wind down for bed. When I go to bed, it's because I'm tired. Yeah, and like I'll wind down for bed in the sense that like I like to watch a few YouTube videos as in in kind of like a process of like, all right, this you're we're calming our brains down from video games and movies and doing smaller scale media instead. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's when I usually watch Seinfeld. I can never make it through like ten minutes of an episode. I'm already just like ready to go to sleep and then i'll throw a podcast in my headphones and i'll go to sleep in the first five minutes of that so i watch seinfeld till my eyes are tired and i listen to podcasts till like i just fall asleep but i'm always asleep within 15 minutes of being in bed always every time but like i don't go to bed to hang out there for a while i know a lot of people are just like i'm just gonna go to bed because i should be sleeping now and i'm and they're just like on their phone or just staring at the ceiling like, dude, no, because then I'm just wasting time. I could be having fun right now. I don't know. I, I don't want to get too much pressure. I'm just like, I can just sleep. I can. Yeah. I can just sleep. You know, maybe you should just bottle up my blood and sell it for, like ambient. What? That's how that works. I, I yeah. Oh, um, OK. It's like, you know, those people who just like just got talents. Can you imagine if you just saw a person do a backflip and be like, I want some of that. So you go up, <laughs> withdraw some of their blood inject it in. And now you can do backflips. I anyway, we don't have time. <laughs> to unpack all that um do you have any other like routine pet peeves um do you brush your teeth twice a day or once a day i try to i try to do, do it floss? twice a day 
No. I don't no. floss either. Yeah. Dude, apparently, I heard this from somewhere, not a reputable source, so take it with a grain of salt, <laughs> that like if everyone flossed, dentists would be out of business, but that doesn't make any sense. That makes absolutely no sense, because like flossing doesn't like, yeah, that makes no sense. Flossing is not a teeth cure-all, to the best of my knowledge. It's just like one of those things that like I, I'll do it when I'm rich, you know? <laughs> Poor people don't have time to floss. Yeah, rich we're on people that have time grind. to floss. Yeah. Rich people floss. Okay? That's that's it. Actually, I think I think people who floss are more attractive. And I think flossing is a green flag. And but I also flossing think to yeah. dating bios. Yeah. Just be like that should be like first three questions. Do you floss? Because if they floss, keepers, bro. Never met a person who floss I didn't like. However, I feel like people who floss, super judgmental. It's like a person who started doing something and they've been doing it for like five minutes, but now they think they're better than everybody who doesn't do it. It's like people who back up into parking spots. They're like, why don't you back up? I'm like, hey, bro, you're not better than me. I just don't do it. And I feel like people who floss, look at all the people who don't floss, like they're poor. And it's not that I'm poor because I don't floss. It's just that the two happen to be related. Okay. But if I started flossing, I'm not going to get rich. It's just that rich people floss. Does that make sense? That's why no kids floss. They don't have the, they don't have the finances. So... This is the part of the podcast where I plant a small seed into Alex's incredibly overworked brain. And I just kind of take a step back and let him do whatever he wants. Because in the last 90 seconds, we've gone from selling his blood to sleep better to backing up in a parking space makes you better because you also floss. So there's... Some sort of, I don't know, decomposition of the human psyche that I think is happening here. And I don't know how to fully unpack it, but there's a lot to just kind of look at here. And I think we all need to just admire the space that we've created. Um, Let's do you put wanna, on a t-shirt. <laughs> do you want to move on to freeballing? Let's do our freeballing, man. Okay. So, I... Rewatched Spider-Man Three, um, the Sam Raimi, the Tobey Maguire one. Yes. Um. Yeah. Now I have not seen this movie in like ten years, and so a lot of people don't like this movie, and they um. I understand why. I I understand why. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um. I I watched the first half of this movie super late at night, very kind of like that kind of punch drunk when you're tired, and I was like. This movie isn't that bad. I don't understand why people didn't like it that much. I went to bed, woke up, finished it, and the entire second half of the movie, I'm like, I understand why. All right, I now see it. Oh, jeez. Um, it's just the fact that like MJ is insufferable. Like she is the epitome of like the superhero girlfriend trope where like there's nothing about her character that like sympathizes with the fact that he's spider-man um and i understand yeah, like, that, like hey man i'm here saving lives and like obviously she's a person and like she deserves to have her problems met as well and maybe she's just not cut out to be in a superhero relationship that's fine but like the path that we take to get there is insufferable and also, God, Toby is so cringe in this movie. Golly. <laughs> oh, man. Anytime, Do you think it's how it was written? Or it's just like the way he acts is cringy? I think a bit of both. I think a cooler actor could have done what he did better. Uh, however, okay. the part of the thing is like Peter Parker's a dork. So whenever he tries to be cool... It's gonna come off as cringe. That's a that's a side effect of the Peter Parker character. Um, right. But watching it unfold, like there's you know the infamous dance sequence is just Yuck. awful in the it's black awful. suit. Yeah, and then he goes to a club where he starts like swing dancing with this girl, and this swing dance is supposed to be like this like kind of like sexual intimate dance, like. Oh, he's broken up with MJ and now he's back on the town. And it, like it does not come across as cool in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> Dude, it's um, swing dancing. Uh Topher Grace could have been a good Venom if he had a better script. He is whiny and pathetic and entitled, and at no point am I rooting for him. Um and so Jeez. it's just like it is weak from all structures. 
Like, at no point is this movie the kind of Spider-Man movie that I want to see. Um, So this movie sits at a flat five, baby. Ooh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's rough. Do not recommend. Whatever memory you have of this movie is better than what you think it is. I watched a movie most people, I can imagine most people our age or younger have not seen. Have you seen the movie Thumbelina? No, I have not. Okay, so it's an animated movie based off a fairy tale. Um, It's currently streaming on Stars. Um, It came out in 94. It looks out, looks like visually, like it came out in 64. Oh, yeah. Given, I'm looking at like stills from this movie and it's given off huge, like Snow White vibe. Snow White, the, uh, the Fox Robin Hood, like Sleeping that. Beauty. It looks like that, even though it came out in the 90s. Now, this movie is extremely problematic. It's one of the most problematic movies. It looks, it's so 60s, 50s, it's ridiculous. The whole point of the movie, right, is Thumbelina came from nowhere. She's a very, very, very small person, like the size of your pinky finger. And fairies are real, and a fairy falls in love with her. She doesn't have wings. She thinks fairies are a fairy tale, which is a crazy thing to think when you're the size of a thimble. And she meets one, and he's like, I'll come back tomorrow so we can, so you can meet my parents and so I can marry you. You know, typical fairy tale fashion. Then she gets kidnapped by frogs. And then she proceeds to get kidnapped by three, no, two other people besides the frogs. And everyone just wants to marry her. And of those three people who aren't the prince who want to marry her are all insects or animals. Okay. So, and that's the whole plot of the movie is the prince is trying to find her and she's trying to dodge these suitors and who are forcing her into an arranged marriage. And in the end, uh, she finds the prince. But the whole movie, the whole thing is you are pretty. I want to marry you. And it's she got a frog coming after her, then a beetle throws him in his beetle club and then the other beetles find out she doesn't have wings and call her ugly and then she gets super insecure and then during the winter uh she gets saved by a mouse who wants to be like a mother figure and set her up with a rich mole who's just loaded and the mouse is trying to like profit off this relationship so he's like you need to get married to the mole he's filthy rich um it's wild and not good and there's the whole movement the whole plot is a tiny little regular i wouldn't say she's a small human girl like just a regular girl just very small and she can talk to animals apparently because she's small and that's the whole movie is a bunch of guys trying to marry her that's it so um this movie was directed by don bluth um who was also uh, a huge animator at disney before he left and started directing his own movies. He's this is the same director that did All Dogs Go to Heaven, um, oh, Secret of Nim, and um, Anastasia. So like this dude has some like solid like uh, in the eighties and early nineties. Like Don Bluth was like the the John Lasseter of that time period. Like you know the the credits that we give Pixar now. Like Don Bluth had that like reputation about him. In like the 80s and 90s. Yeah, dude, um, going through some of this trivia, this is the first animated movie to win a Razzie for worst <laughs> original song. Um, the movie was, uh, oh, John Bluth admitted in a 2010 interview that the script was one of the film's shortcomings. That's a problem. If the script <laughs> is the problem. They said they hired a screenwriter to write a draft um, and he rejected it. But due to the crunch on schedule, he had to have a new script done in two weeks. And yet... It feels like it, bro. Don't recommend. I'm giving it a 4 out of 10. Dude, here's the thing. Animated movies, you can do whatever you want. It's animated. You can do whatever you want. And they just chose to be bad. So I think a (laughs) 4 is generous. I think 4 is generous. All right. I'm going to do one more. It's going to be super quick. I watched a movie that I think people our age have not watched or heard of. Um, I watched a movie called The Great Outdoors with Dan Aykroyd and John Candy. Okay. Um, It's about these two brothers... They're they're brother-in-laws, and they both bring their families out to this campground for a week. They have this week campground getaway. One of them is, like, very appreciative of nature, you know, a little bit more down-to-earth. He's a family man. That's John Candy's character. And then Dan Aykroyd's character is kind of like the wealthy businessman. I I come out to this nature plot, and all I see is untapped resources. Um, And it's a comedy. It's that... 
it's that 80s 90 minute comedy that like was truly representative of that era um i really liked it <laughs> the review that i wrote for it on letterboxd said that it's the kind of humor that grown-ups wishes it had and oh. th- and the gritty bear realism that cocaine bear wishes that it had god jeez <laughs> um so if you want just like a very simple this is going to make you laugh comedy and if you like Dan Aykroyd and John Candy like this movie is like the perfect way to spend just like a 90 minute movie night. It's called the great outdoors. I give it like a seven and a quarter. It made me laugh a lot. It has some goofy bits. It has some bits that don't land. It's silly. It's funny. I had a good time with it. Sweet dude. All right. Next week, we have two more transformers movies on the docket. It's transformers. Dark Dark of the moon. Dark of the moon. Which by the way, it's not Dark Side of the Moon. Just put Dark Side. <laughs> it's not Dark a Pink Floyd moon. album. Dark of the Moon. And then... <laughs> Age of Extinction. Age of Extinction. Age of Extinction. Two hours, 45 minutes. Dark of the Moon. Two hours, 34 minutes. Why? Michael! Mike! Michael! <laughs> not okay. Oh, but that's dude. next week. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. This is Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. Have fun, be safe, and make good choices. And while you're at it, tell your mama said hi. See you next week. Jesus. Jesus.